Welcome to the What's the Point podcast with Andy Evans. Andy Evans is a surveyor. Maps are his thing, and making maps is where he ended up in his career to date. This podcast is going to explore the wonderful world of survey and mapping, and hopefully it's going to get more followers than its self-indulgent blog. Any help and contributions are welcome. So, let's get started with today's episode. So, uh, welcome back to the, uh, the What's the Point podcast. I'm Andy Evans, and uh, I'm here today with Henry Fenby-Taylor, um, and uh, that, that's all good. So, Henry's, Henry's an interesting chap, um, uh, as we all are, uh, and um, once again, interestingly, Henry's someone that I've spent more time with online than I have in person, I think. We've, <laughs> we've met, our paths have crossed. Um, I don't recall ever sitting down for a good lengthy face-to-face chat with Henry, although we've no. been at various events in construction. There's, there's back and forth, but um, but we've never actually sat down and chatted. So this we're is our usually first time. social butterflying our way around various yeah. conferences and events, aren't we? Exactly, exactly. So, so in Henry's words, um, I, I did the usual thing that I do is if I don't know someone very well, I'll just go straight to their LinkedIn profile and see what they say about themselves. Um, and uh, so, it's a, a little bit of an intro from my point of view of, of what I know about Henry. Um, his words: driving innovation best practice. Um, and I can see, and I know that Henry's very passionate about change and implementing change for for public good. I think that seems like a fair assessment of where I see Henry. Um, and it's all related to built environment. Uh, my recent exposure to to Henry's work has been via Zero, um, and the uh, Digital Twin Fan Club, um, and it's all stuff that that overlaps with the work that I do. Um, I get enthused by tech. I think Henry does as well. There's a lot of of there's a lot of overlap in what we're trying to achieve in terms of um, Doing the right thing for the future of construction, I would say, as a as a as a brief, very brief summary. Um, so, Henry, over to you. Have you got anything that you'd like to add that I've clearly missed or misunderstood about you? It's no, it's nice to be thought of as interesting. I appreciate that. Um, driving innovation best practice. I find it an absolute nightmare what to put on those LinkedIn profiles. Um, that came from my uh, experience of. Uh, kind of leading R&D in construction organizations and construction R&D companies. So I thought, there we go, because it's in such a woeful state in our industry. Um, And yeah, I've been uh, very glad to be involved with Zero Construction. Zero are a a great group of people and they've got some amazing energy. And it's nice to see a bit more of a a bottom-up approach to these things um, where there is passion, there is a willingness to be outspoken, and that's another thing I love about the Digital Twin uh, fan club. Although I am a bit concerned that uh, we might have become too nice to people, so I think uh, it, not in a, uh, you know, to be mean is is nice for the sake of it, is good for the sake of it, but uh, that uh, the Digital Twin fan club has always been about having an open and honest discussion and challenging things uh, as mm. well as celebrating digital twins and that sort of stuff. And yeah, I'm, I'm a huge nerd. I, I would like to say uh, that I was a Zoomer before Zoomers were a thing um, in the sense of, I had a very, uh, despite being in my early forties, I was online as soon as possible. I've been a gamer since 1987 I dread to think how many thousands of hours I've 
I put into them. Um, and I was half shut in looking at my computer and half outgoing wild. So I think there's a very, uh, uh, I, I am fortunate in that I think I can relate to a lot of people and um, something I usually do when people don't know me and try and they try and place me because certainly in England um, we're a very class ridden society people can put me and my accent in a certain box mm -hmm. um, so when people get to know me um, usually after a couple of glasses of, of red wine or, or whatever but just in you know just in case uh, I always like to point out that I, I grew up in a uh, uh, a rather shady uh, estate with a violent crime rate four times the national average. And I saw a lot of that because I was a skateboarder at the time. So I was out all hours uh, experiencing that life. Uh, mm -hmm. And I went to uh, Repton School, a very kind of ancient private school. So I have a broad experience of the UK diaspora. Um, mm. And yeah, I, I like to I like to bring that in in terms of people if they want to understand me. I think it's always good to know that I am ambivalent in many senses, in the sense of I see both sides, and that is yep. what I always strive to do. That's very interesting. Um, so that 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 I would that uh, does it explain a lot? No, it certainly gives a, a, a sort of a an insight into to who you are and how you behave and what you do, and it does it. If I if you challenge me to try and guess some of that, I might have got close to getting parts of it right, um, but uh, but but I'm not convinced that I got all of it. But what what I do want to pick up on is your piece about zero construct, hmm. um, and something that I've found over the last few years. There's a little bit of back, background noise coming in here. I think it possibly my connection. Um, the 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 piece on energy and enthusiasm. What I love about um, Okay, I'll throw that out there in terms of the challenge. What I liked about the UK BIM crew was there was some good, robust, or that felt like at the time, 2013, bear in mind, good, robust discussion around BIM. Um, we mm. see it continued, and it's continued with the whole di digital twin piece and people spending hours discussing what it is instead of actually just getting on and doing it, um, or, or at least working with it and forgetting about it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not overly... Uh, fussy about names and titles um, and mm -hmm. I suspect that's also something that based on the background you've just given I think you probably would agree with that that it really doesn't matter who you are it matters what you're doing right now absolutely um, and but but what I like about Zero Construct is the, the it, you've highlighted it that energy that enthusiasm um, and it's that piece of where is the energy go there and you'll you're guaranteed some good stuff um, and I think that's that's very exciting about the Zero Construct team that I've, I've been involved with, uh, but not at the level you have. Uh, they've done some great work very, very quickly. Um, and I hope that that goes on. Um, and, and then the yeah. stuff that's going on in the background, the Distal Twin Fan Club stuff, it just amused me all the time. But, but as you'll be well aware, I do like that kind of uh, that banter. Um, uh, I like to think that I get most of the jokes. I'm sure I'm missing a lot of it. There's a lot of in-joke stuff, which is always a risk with these with these groups. Of yes, when you know each other too well, it can happen. It can happen. I do try and uh, be a good MC, master of ceremonies, yes. in, the, in the kind of master of ceremony sense of, you know, is everybody having a good time, including the listener? I do try and think about them as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's right. And that's, you know, I think in any technical area or area of deep interest, you always end up with the curse of knowledge in the sense of maybe it's not the curse of knowledge. Um, I think it is just, you know, things are accepted. If you are in here, you think like this or you accept yes. this. Um, yeah. And that is another thing that I think has been really interesting about zero construct is, you know, there are people uh, in, in, in zero who um, you know, have very strong views, uh, live a life that is, um, you know, as close to sustainable as they can achieve within a modern world of what they're doing. But there are also people who, you know, are from, you know, like there's a very big real estate investor in, in, in the group who wants to do better. Um, and is you know living a good life uh but you know and all these people coming together i think there's like a diaspora aspect diaspora means dispersed doesn't it i don't mean diaspora uh, an eclectic mix um yes. of people um and it, but they, i guess i was thinking diaspora because of, of the international uh concept mm -hmm. but wait wait does a diaspora have to emerge from a point and go well, somewhere well, well now now you so um I'm nodding, nodding only. I'm the dispersion or thing. spread, yeah, the dispersion or spread of a people from their original homeland. So no, I don't mean diaspora. I okay. mean okay. <laughs> international community. So uh, just before we carry on, um, I'm getting a little bit of feedback on when you're talking. I'm not too sure what's what's going on there. Uh huh. I had a bad feeling that might happen. Um, is that something at your end or my end? I suspect it is my end. Can you just pause the recording? I can. I will. So uh, having said that I do warts and all, that was just really unbearable. And I'm, I'm keeping in mind that the, the, the Twitter comments I saw earlier this week about people doing, uh, everyone thinking they can do podcasts and so people are doing them. Well, actually, I think that's great. And it's just another way of getting your message across. Uh, but one of the things that someone had commented was that they hate listening to podcasts with really bad sound quality. Mm. Now, this podcast is guilty of that. My opening, if I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it, but uh, the opening bit I did right at the start, I haven't changed it and it's really tinny and awful. And I'm surprised anyone gets past that first 30 seconds, to be honest with you. I re-uploaded a podcast to the Digital Twin Fan Club that I think was episode two, mm -hmm. and I was brand new to podcast editing, and I had had Neil Thompson kind of supported me. We've done podcasts before, and he um, is an audio engineer, uh, and you know he was in a band, he was going to get signed, all that sort of stuff, so he's always been really into that and so he always gave me a really hard time so i put loads of effects and manual things over the sound and somebody did say to me it was unlistenable so i went <laughs> and it was indeed unlistenable and i had to dig it out <laughs> re-edit it and re-upload it and um uh our our listeners that we lost listeners um, yeah who, have, who haven't come back as a result but i guess but i guess now it's probably the most listened to podcast you have in the in the list of course yeah I mean, yeah. I support the uh, uh, the Women in BIM podcast as yep. well, and the yep. podcast on that, uh, and that's been growing year on year. And uh, I've also recorded some episodes for Zero as well. So mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, you know, becoming get in there. I'm there. You know, it it's fun. It's fun. Excellent. It's great. Excellent. So so um, 
sometimes I ask people how we ended up here in this in chatting away like this. I think um, we, we've probably covered that already. Um, but what I do want to sort of just just highlight on, we're going to move on to that. We've got five questions for the podcast. Okay. It's the What's the Point podcast. It's about maps. Um, the reasoning behind it is that um, maps, as a as someone that's a uh, a mapping professional, effectively, or well, I'm a civil engineer and surveyor, but I make maps for a living, effectively. Mm. Um, it it uh, there's a massive risk that maps itself are so ubiquitous that people don't even realise that they're what they're doing with them. And so the questions came about. I thought, right, we need to raise the profile of what maps mean, what influence they have. We all know about it, but then we they're often overlooked, often forgotten. Um, so I came up with these five questions um, on the on the concept of the What's the Point podcast. Um, and we're just going to go through those five questions and see what happens. That's part of the fun. So question number one, Henry, if you're ready. I'm, I'll do my best. When was the last time you used a map? Define a map. Because a map to me means a when somebody just says word, have you looked on the map or on a map? That implies a physical uh, thing, but my maps are, and I think they are maps. My maps are all digital all the time. Mm -hmm. So I have, um, I'm going to answer both. So the yes. last time I used a digital map was on Saturday when in the driving rain, it was raining all day. I drove uh, me and, and my mum from Cambridge to Ely to a car park and uh, went and looked around Ely Cathedral. So despite it being an easy drive, I always have a sat-nav ways or equivalent on so that I don't have to worry about yeah. which way I'm going. Okay. And That's the physical good. map was in a bookshop, which I, I looked at an OS map to look for some uh, cycling routes around Cambridge because access to that sort of information you can get but it never feels like it's never in one easy convenient place I have to look at three maps separately to try and understand I look at Strava to mm -hmm. see where cycling I look at the these kind of cycling planning maps to see where everybody's actually uh, where the designated places are mm -hmm. um, and then I look at Google Maps to have a look at the actual what does that look like um yeah. so that i can cycle as is my preference not on the road not near cars not in busy areas but long a long distance which in cambridgeshire um you can you can do very easily yes you can yes you can so um i, I don't know whether you picked up on that i'm i'm from i grew up around cambridge actually mm. um a small little village probably isn't i don't know how what size it is now but a place called hardwick over to the uh to the west of cambridge um, which you may or may not know. Um, so the last time I look, I use the map now is just now to look at where Hardwick is. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if you head out past BAS and uh, and up the hill, up Maddenley Hill, you'll end up in in Hardwick. Near Bourne Airfield. That's right. Yeah. So many air airfields in this neck of the woods. Must be yep. lots of World War Two throwbacks, I imagine. Yeah, I think Bourne was a was an ex ex World War Two one, and uh, we used to go along to. So uh, useless fact, or maybe an interesting fact: Bourne Airfield used to have a market when I was growing up, and that used to be oh, the highlight yeah. highlight of our thing was to go to the, the massive market there and buy baggy jeans. <laughs> oh yes, I was in the baggy. <laughs> yeah. 
so that's all good. Brilliant. Uh, and then picking up on your map piece there, in terms of planning, um, I typically do nearly everything digital. But every now and again, Ooh. it's just easier to work with a paper one. You can't see oh, it. Yes. Of course, I'm in my uh, my fuzzy background, but it's a map of the city. Island, anyway. I do have a, I don't know what the term would be, but it's somewhat of a, um, it's a figure ground. So it's uh, dark and light, black and white, um, but it's also like a word cloud of mm. amps. As I've spent um, many years uh, with many people, I've had ma many memories of Amsterdam and, and the Netherlands. So uh, okay. I do have one of those uh, on my wall. So uh, mapping, in a sense, is part of my day-to-day -day life yeah. in the physical sense. Um, but I like the artifacts. I do like the artifacts. And I have uh, a real interest in, uh, and I enjoy kind of uh, Victorian etchings and mm -hmm. the, the line work of that era. So I would like to own some historic maps because I think it really tells a lot about a people by what yeah. they mark as what is important where yeah and that and that's the the whole thing you know there's a whole number of books you can read about this subject about you know people that have made the maps and how what influence that's had on history and and who's making the maps that it tells the story of where they were and what the situations are it's, yeah it's a fascinating subject we could go on forever about that um so question two when was the last time you needed a map I really needed a map. Really needed. It is. It is difficult to answer that because mapping is a ritual for me in the sense of I use them to navigate to places and I will often use them virtual ones, obviously, um, mm. digital. Um, they're not, I wouldn't say they're virtual because they are real. Anyway, uh, they are of real places. That's another conversation. Um <laughs> So a part of the ritual for me of going anywhere is having a map, even if I have a fairly good idea and even if I'm trying to get lost. So I need a map every time um, I go somewhere. So the last time I needed that map was uh, on that Ely trip. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, I feel like I need them, even if I don't necessarily need them because I I enjoy the context. I want to see what other things are going on or nearby or yeah. I, I like the intelligence that a map a map would give you, especially the digital one. Let's explore the uh the um getting lost whilst having a map. Hmm. So, so I I do have a this this is a long standing idea is a bit of a life goal and i will have no way of knowing if i've achieved this or not because i've not been taking notes yeah is that i would like to see every street in central london and now that i live in cambridge i'm spending more time with my business you know, meeting clients meeting prospects i'm spending more and more time in london so using a um a walking app like city map or rather you know a transportation app like city mapper um to go from place a to b but being 10 20 half 10 20 minutes half an hour early mm -hmm. gives me the opportunity to try out new streets or try and find new interesting streets so i 
will check in as somebody who is concerned about their use of their phone and is trying to you know use it in a way that doesn't isn't all consuming i try not to be glued to it it's not mm-hmm. you know it's not in my hand the whole time i will try and remember the turns and remember the street names and 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 do that sort of thing and get a better understanding of where i'm actually going and and see what you can see so you know it's uh, that balance between having it as a tool but not using it not um not ignoring what's what it's representing not ignoring the real yeah. world yeah yeah okay that's quite yeah so that's good that's that's quite a name as well i think it's um like you say it'd be tricky to document what you've achieved um i've, I've thought about it recently and i could have done what many people recently seem to do which is strava maps and yeah. they use their Strava maps to locate where they have been and where they haven't been. Um, but having lived in London, having spent months and months in in the centre, I feel like I don't want to start now. I'm just going to, uh, you know, I know the areas I know well, and I know the areas I know less well. And if there's an opportunity to go via that, or you know, get off the tube early, or get yeah. off at a tube stop I don't usually use then it's just it it's an excuse to drink in the city effectively do you would you take a or do you take a photo everywhere every different street you go to because I'm thinking no. about because my my one of the guys I work with all of his photos he has the the, the, the geolocation turned on so mm. that as you well know I'm sure with 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 Apple when you're looking at your photos within the um uh, the photo gallery of course you can sort by location and then i wonder whether that would work hmm. i might having i have years and years of of photos to uh go through and i'm i'd be very interested to uh get that plotted on a map i feel like i could do that that could be automated couldn't it that would be quite a simple I think, thing i think uh, yeah you might you might be able to just have a look now see if you can view it in in location but anyway um <laughs> all right so question number three you ready when ready with question number three when was the last time you made a map well i am i've been trying to think about that i have some contenders so my my backup my backup 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 is from when i was a landscape architect and effectively designing layouts of uh, specifically I only ever got to do planting schemes but I did get involved in some of uh, the visual impact assessment work creating maps Mm -hmm. uh, there Um, so that's um, that is is that about 10 years ago now about eight years ago nine years ago I think it's about nine years ago that's 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 a yeah, I know. That is a safe and certain one, but I have experimented over the years with things like uh, open source GIS uh, platforms, QGIS, and mm-hmm. uh, done some uh, coding with PostgreSQL and and tried to or some creating some databases in PostgreSQL and and I have done some data mapping. Um, and I, I've used it for 
those sorts of things where I, I want to aggregate information. Um, uh, but I, that's hard. It's quite a nebulous concept for me. Um, but I, I know I have... Um, um, it, this is an interesting uh, point because I do... I did used to use the Google My Maps function that is still functional mm -hmm. and still available, mm -hmm. but nobody knows about because they certainly don't advertise it. And I still add tags to places of where I would like to go. So if I find somewhere interesting, I will add a tag and then I will categorize that tag. And for example, I'm going to be going on holiday at the end of this month to Italy. And so I have tagged some interesting places that I would like to go to and I have marked them and then they are separate. I can view those in isolation for that specific trip. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, you could say that that is a map because I, I, you know, I've, I've created something unique there that is unique to what I'm looking to do. I'm sure it's not unique in the sense of, I want to go and see what other people want to go and see, but it's unique to me and I, I created it. I don't know. Do you think that counts? Yeah, I think that does count. I think uh, anywhere where you're adding a layer, uh, so it, I think mapping is more than just starting with a blank sheet of paper and drawing your country or, or your streets or whatever it is. I think if those already exist and you're adding detail, augmented mm -hmm. information on there, it's still mapping. Um, so, so yes, that does that does definitely count. The other way uh, people often go with this, and I, I was wondering whether you might head off down that route, was that in terms of what you do, where you, you're saying about the zero construct stuff and, and women in bin, um, there's a lot of mind mapping going on. So a couple of guys mm -hmm. I've spoken to have disappeared off down the whole mind mapping thing because they're not making maps every day, but they are drawing out how something's going to work for whatever their process is that they're they're trying to implement um but yeah so that and that's why that that's why matt why it's so much fun having this podcast because you can go off on these different tangents and talk about that so 100 percent, adding data to a background map is mapping which is what you just described yeah um, absolutely i mean i do lots of lots and lots of mind mapping i um uh, really enjoy a visual almost mechanistic yeah. uh way of working so i do do that too um mm -hmm. So I've done that before yeah. this podcast. I was doing that. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's, okay. it's I, I'm not surprised. So that's cool. Well, what we're going to do? I'm just going to pause it here, and we're going to pick up on session two, so that we've got a good uh, uninterrupted part for the last two questions. Okay. Sure. Right. So, so there's some good answers there on um, on on the last time we made a map and there's there's a number of places to explore there as well and i think um in the interest of keeping um i'm trying to go for like a, a bite size 30 to 40 minute time on this so uh that's 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 where we're going with this so i'm going to move on uh rather abruptly to question four what do you do henry when you haven't got a map this was an easy one to answer panic Panic. Uh, I think panic really, is the word. Really um, panic? Or, or, well, maybe not really panic, but there is always a shot of adrenaline. There is always a fear of the unknown. Um, yeah, I think that is that that is a very that is the most honest answer I can give you. What do you do when you haven't got a map? Because and, that implies I need a map. I, yes. So if I don't need a map, I don't panic. 
So it's when I go yeah. for one and there is, or I don't have access to one, or the, the internet's down or, you know, whatever, yeah. then yes. Yeah. Okay. I go into some and, and And how real is that panic? Is it like unbearable kind of can't continue panic or is it something that's overall manageable? You've got coping mechanisms in there with, for that, for that level of panic or. It, it's a call to action sort of adrenaline it, i go into uh crisis mode and i don't mean in a bad way i mean i'm Problem actually I, I love a good crisis i really do when things are in crisis is usually when i shine because mm -hmm. that's when everybody else is is having a meltdown and uh, throughout my life that's being kind of over stimulated with too many options too many problems too many questions is my comfort zone so when people join me in that sort of panicky space i'm like ah oh, welcome it's fine don't worry and you know we can just get through this we just need to yeah work out what is immediately important which is nice in a sense so if i don't have a map i have to then think i have to be very present i have to think immediately what's happening now what's going yeah. on what i'm trying to do uh, and what can i do about that so in some ways that means um i need to pause and think and just wait or go somewhere else because i'm always online mm -hmm. um so i just need to find a better reception but also looking for cues there are always cues and sometimes they're internal i think mm -hmm. very interesting how people project their view of the world onto the world around them you know the the, the world is telling them this but that's yeah. that's inside them so i look for cues in the environment to what to do next because if i need a map it's because i'm trying to get somewhere and if yeah. i'm trying to get somewhere i will have done enough initial preparation yeah, I will have done. I was going to say, is that is that too strong to be categorical? No, but I will have done. I will have done enough categorical uh, kind of uh, background research, whether it's that morning or, you know, over mm -hmm. a period of time to have an indication uh, which direction I am going. So I would then rely on the cardinal points um, mm -hmm. uh, and just look at, at where the sun is and at what time of day it is and and then work out you know what direction am i going in and then i can i can get going and i can worry about my access to maps later because as long as i'm moving and moving in the right direction it doesn't necessarily matter that i know exactly which steps and which streets to go on because i'll get there and well i think that might be my philosophy in life there we go i didn't yeah. realize that would come out <laughs> It's it's interesting, isn't it? And, and what's funny there is listening to that. I'm hearing, I'm hearing two things. I'm hearing your interpretation with maps and direction and navigation and and uh, cardinal points, looking where the sun is. At the same time, I'm hearing there's a meeting situation that you're in where you've done some prep for the meeting, but it's starting to go in a in a in a, in a way you weren't expecting, mm. and you're having to remap on the fly. Yeah. As to hang on, the situation's totally changed. What what does this terrain look like now? Where where's this meeting going? What mm. do I need to like I'm hearing something from these guys over here and it's not what I was expecting. And it's not going to meet with the aims of my initial aims of what I had coming into the meeting. So how am I going to adjust that to, to meet? And I and I can just that that's what I had as you were describing that, 
I could hear both those things. I, uh, I, I have reviewed some very, very senior people from some meetings where they've been broadsided or they've been, what's the other word, uh, broadsided, um, or they've been surprised by unexpected information in meetings. And uh, that's usually when my ability to uh, think on my feet and see the big picture and not panic in a crisis uh, comes mm. to bear, which interestingly usually I, I will I will then worry I'll have the emotional uh payload of that event yeah. later in the day or later yeah. in the week after yeah. I've I've coped now and like oh wow that was a lot I don't know what I was doing and that was really hard and um and then yeah. the next day you're like I did what yeah. <laughs> what why did I even think that was the right answer oh yeah <laughs> oh, yes. yes I I think uh yes navigating meetings it is is always a, a fun one. I've been uh, recently working with people who, um, I, I know you know you're getting old when, uh, who remind me of my younger self. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's, that's, I think that's something everybody has to say at some point. Oh, you yeah. remind me younger me. Um, oh, and word, that, yeah. That's when you go. You get to a certain <laughs> go, age. Go and sit down. Get yourself a cup of tea, granddad. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and seeing them go through some of these unknown situations for yeah. the first time um and to understand that i guess there is a another layer to that map you're taking the map analogy and you're going far deep wide and broad and specific and many things with it and i love it um because there are always there's always knowledge within maps in you know in terms of like i said humans i think people project onto the outside world meaning that may or may not be there yeah um and maps is very interesting because they are trying to be very explicit but also they are trying to rationalize and simplify to make it usable which i think yeah. is a really interesting function that i think is something that is going to be more and more important as we go through understanding exactly what is going on so for example the i think an example of this kind of extra layer of live information in a map map would be traffic in mm -hmm. various you know in your various gps devices but then also if you've been into some difficult meetings or you've had some difficult projects and you've had some difficult uh, team members or clients or uh, you've had you know some difficult situations um there is a everybody makes their own map and there are maps you can follow there are other routes that you can take that are well established but ultimately everybody in the moment has to decide how they're going to navigate that situation and i think it's really interesting to see how different um archetypes like to do that so i was a very big myers-briggs fan when i was taught about it in my early mm -hmm. thirties, and i myers-briggs everybody you know it's the um uh, the mother-daughter combo who took jung's yeah. work and created uh, uh effectively um uh, four categories of uh, human archetype and then they form 16 combinations and it's interesting in how that is wrong because it has been it's been debunked in the sense that it is different for 
many people when they do it different times Um, but some people do fall neatly into the categories and other people will not Mm -hmm. you know they 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 just don't fall neatly into it and they might act differently in different ways so there's a if you take that which is a mapping if you take that map as rote then it's not too useful but if you see that there are those elements of people who go on intuition people who use Mm -hmm. established processes people who get energy from interacting with other people and people who have to spend energy interacting with other people um people who use their emotions to make their decisions and are very in touch with those and people who use logic uh, as well as people who um primary primary interface with their world is through observation and perception and people who kind of interact with it through judgment etc i think all of those different factors in the human condition um can lead us down different paths of well there is no map for this therefore we have to stop or um or going blindly because it feels right. You know, there's a very interesting, like I say, going back to those difficult situations, it's very interesting seeing how people expose, how we all expose who we are by those moments. I I think it's, you know, like playing games. Um, You see a lot more of somebody when they're having to make decisions and they're having to make judgments and they're having to navigate um, through their through their life, I think that's when you really get to get to know somebody. Definitely, so, definitely. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think. Um, Sorry, the, just going to shut the door. Ah, uh, no. There we go. It's uh, yeah. So I, I think um, I, the uh, the the point I'm making there is I think that there are, despite a map being a a logical, you know, it's supposed to be, it's clear, it's explicit. It, it does a certain job. It is endlessly fascinating to me how people can view those things differently based on all sorts of things, not just their character, but their background and their, yeah. their views, you know, where one person um, might see a uh, a railway um, going through uh, a London city. Other people might see um, a history of, land clearance and dispossessing the poor and prioritizing the wealthy for infrastructure investment. You know, I, I think they, uh, that projection, that information people see that, that that information may not be explicitly there, but if you know what to look for, it's there, the structure, the patterns, they all, they all tell a story. The way that cities are organized is endlessly fascinating to me with the, the medieval on one hand where, nobody was planning effectively but it's about ownership and you know things emerged versus yeah. the you know the the kind of uh, the grid system of the of the romans and used extensively by the uh, united states of america um how they're looking at things in plan view really influences and changes how people interact with that and i think there can be a danger with some levels of mapping where um big arrows i was fascinated by planning maps from the 40s all the way through of 
we'll just do this. And this, uh, somebody just draws a very big line and, you know, the Br- the British Empire drawing lines all over the world, you know, basically, you know, pick islands, you know, Israel, Palestine, um, uh, Somalia, Ethiopia, lots of, not Ethiopia, never conquered, uh, but Somalia, certainly lots of, lots of lines have been drawn on maps that have had very long-term consequences. So I think there's something about making your mark on the world of something that there's always another layer. There's always another layer. There's always more to it than simply here is the line. It is a line. It is an it is an it is an impartial adjudicator or an impartial display of facts. It it it's not. There's always more to it, and there's always layers, and there's always more decisions and more thinking and more uh, cultural biases and personal yeah. interpretations and yeah I, I find them i find them fascinating for that and i find it the way that people interact with uh, maps and the way they map their lives sometimes i don't think it counts for what is not explicit I, I i think it's an interesting one i think what you've just described to me i view as virtual graffiti um so you, those maps are basically making that mark on the on the earth but by paper by so it's not like that they, you know you can go there you can identify these lines and work out where they are but they're not necessarily physically marked which is which is an right. interesting one there but there's like a claim this is ours you know or the 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 um the the the, the challenges in uh china sea for example Yes. boundaries and marks and it is like where's my island where's this bit of you know all that sort of stuff there's quite quite complex um and then uh, on a lighter note uh or a less political note i guess the um i think i talked about this with with one of my early guests about dunedin in new zealand okay um where they took the effectively the grid system that had been designed for edinburgh and then dropped it in Dunedin and said, there you go, there's your, there's your city. <laughs> and this is the street layout, wow. which is fine. However, that's why you have Baldwin street, which is the world's steepest street in New Zealand, because it's just a grid map. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't work because the train is, it's ridiculously steep. It's, uh, um, it's worth a, worth a look if you've never seen it, but. Um, I haven't, it, but that does sound fascinating. There's all sorts of things going on. And then, then picking up on your Myers-Briggs thing, I was going to um, think about that. It, have you ever had somebody else do your Myers-Briggs for you? Ooh, no. Try it. It's amusing. No, that's interesting. That's that's an interesting concept. My, yeah. it, I, I, like I say, when it first came out, I was fascinated. And then seeing its flaws and then seeing yeah. its strengths, I stopped trying to classify people because it was fun. Um, and now just bear that in mind and just view, you know, like yeah. some life, it's not either or, it's a spectrum, you know. It's it's a good, I, I, I think, you know, as you said, it's been debunked and you raised that fairly early on. And um, I think, it, as you say, it's a good way of helping describe different characteristics that everybody has. Mm. And at any one time, you're going to be, you know, you may tend towards one of the two one of the four main characteristics whatever uh, you know whatever it is but um it changes all the time and, I, and like i say different times of day different days different months different times of the I, year under, different... under stress 
having yeah. looked at all those questions under stress, I behave very differently to yeah. how I do, you know. But but I, I my wife basically I was doing one when I this was years ago and I was trying to work out what I wanted, what I wanted to do next. I did I did the whole thing, went through it myself, and I came up with my my numbers. I can't remember what they are. And then uh, my wife had a go and went, well, that's interesting. I don't think you do that. I don't think you do this. I don't think you do that. Let me run through it. And she did it and came out with with her answers for me on the questions. I'm like, oh, that is that is quite accurate. <laughs> you know, but it's one of those. It's got that element of that kind of horoscope piece where if you read through people just for fun, I read horoscopes every now and again um, just to see what how you could even believe <laughs> that yeah. it makes sense and it's that it's that mucking around with words and and all that sort of stuff is it just makes me laugh and it's um, the story you tell about yourself versus maybe how you're observed and yes. the story other people tell about you to themselves yeah yeah exactly exactly anyway right uh, that, that's been brilliant um right so question five yes it's a fun one um interpret it how you like are you wondering or are you lost Henry. Well, I always love a good Tolkien reference. Um, and I it, it, it's difficult because all, all who wander are not lost. I, I think has always drawn a picture in my mind of the many people who I have met because it seems like a reaction. All who wander are not lost. It seems like a reaction to other people, and certainly thinking about Tolkien and his time and societal structures in in England, um, and also you know I've seen that world through my education. You know, the, here is your path. You must now follow your path, and that is your life, and that those are the choices that you make. So, I see that quote as a reaction to I think perhaps the maybe dismissal I don't know necessarily but the negative reactions to those people who are on clear paths in their life looking at those people who they might think are not um, so I have been lost I have been very lost in my life in my uh, 20s I was extremely lost and spent a lot of time looking um, and wandering and that is when I was in London that is when I started wandering um, in in London that's where I got my passion for uh, finding all those streets in London so I think as uh, my life has progressed I have not had that straight line I've not had that clear path in in front of me. And occasionally I have brought that and I have had a path and it's been very clear and obvious to me. And I've been climbing the corporate ladder and I've been going, you know, going to go to university, you're going to go uh, climb the ladder, I'm going to make an impact in the world, all, all that sort of thing. But um, I would say that I am a wanderer by nature. I am a wanderer by nature. I want to wander. I have a wanderlust and um, I will be lost again. I will be lost in this philosophical sense. Uh, mm -hmm. I will be lost again and that will happen. Um, but I think you miss so much 
if you just go from A to B. I think that's hopefully that's been quite clear throughout. I yep. think an element of wandering in life is uh, a really useful opportunity for reflection. It's a really useful opportunity to take stock and experience new things and uh, maybe challenges, maybe the wrong word, but certainly put yourself in positions where your worldview and your world experience might not apply, where you may not be able to simply overlay everything that you understand so far and say, aha, this is how it all works, because that is a very common behavior and, and reaction. It's entirely natural for human beings to do that. But I think I am a wanderer by nature. Um, mm. I'm not lost right now. And I do have uh, plans in place that I am following and following through with. So um, I have applied structure to my own life. So um, I would, to try and draw a, um, a a visual analogy, I would say my if, if one end of the spectrum is complete direction and the other end of the spectrum is, um, let's say, wandering, um, and being lost is not knowing where you are. Um, if the river is um, that directed life, it, it has established the best route and it changes only slightly over time, um, then I would say I am somewhere near, uh, I always have a, a toe in the Mississippi Delta uh, or a big delta. So there's always an opportunity for branching out and finding new things. And that's really in my nature. I just, it's the love of discovery. It's the love of finding new things. And I think that's very important. Um, but I do think just wandering, um, that way lies madness. Um, I think, you know, some of our best artists have been very clearly only wandering and lived, mis produced the most beautiful, uh, long lasting things. Um, but have died penniless or, you know, uh, mm -hmm. had you know very, very big challenges. So I think whilst it would be great to just wander, I I need that direction to be able to maintain my own well-being in terms of health and social life. And um, as somebody who is not naturally structured and who enjoys going off on tangents and wandering about, I have had to apply a level of structure to my life to be able to uh, cope and to be able to get done the things that I want to achieve. Because I think if you are out wandering, you can come to terms or discover what it is that you're about and what you believe in and what you want to achieve. But you can't wander to achieve those things. So I think you need those regular touch points. I think wandering is an important part of life. Um, and so is so is direction and planning. So um, I, I would lean towards wandering. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. No, that, that, that's a really good, a really good answer, Henry. I, I think what I liked was the the uh, what what I'll take away from that is the the view of you dipping your toes in the Mississippi Delta. I think that's uh, <laughs> that, that, that that works really well for me. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball in here now. Um, oh. Question six. Which I didn't oh, warn you about. You did not uh, warn me. 
Okay. I did not warn you about oh, that, oh. but you'll, you'll be fine. You, you've kind of answered it already, I think. Um, but I like to close on this one and see where this goes. And and it's it, it can be philosophical. It can be um, it doesn't have to be anything. It's not a deep. Uh, I'm not wanting a deep insight into your soul necessarily. But what's the point, Henry? What's the point? Ooh, what's the point? Beautiful. Um, well, I, I'm sorry. I, I am a deep thinker. So you're going to get the philosophy answer. Um What's the point? The point is understanding. The point is, for me personally, the point is to um, move the dial, is to do what I can to make the world a better place. The point is to um, educate people and to bring harmony. I believe um, one of my life's uh, just, it's not a driving goal. It's just something that I am um, is to enable people to see the other side, to see beyond their view and themselves and their experiences to other people's experiences um, for compassionate reasons, but also for, you know, better decision-making and, um, for me, when it comes to people, I'm that's the point. That's what I want to achieve with people. I want to kind of uh, help people see further, see more. Um, what's the point? What is the point? I mean, twenty. You know, in my twenties, you know, wrestling with the big ideas of the universe as I was. Um, that this is an uncaring universe that has no interest in, in in us and our sole purpose is simply to procreate because that is what perpetuates the species and to be directed towards that is simply why it's continued to happen the reason that there's more is because biological creatures are programmed to create more otherwise there wouldn't be any and that's it's a simple it's a simple simple uh, uh feat of um perpetuation um but i don't uh believe that anymore in the sense of i think the uh, and this kind of goes back to my point of trying to understand uh, understanding the underlying i think there are um there's some very um grand uh, patterns in the universe uh, i'm not a uh, religious person but uh, i think my aim my aspiration the point of my intellect is to understand what's the underlying what's this extra layer what are these other layers and how do they interact with each other and that way can lie madness so you have to have a certain amount of ability to uh, take a step back and live with the unknown and live with the ambivalent so um I think understanding, I think uh, uh, pushing forwards, I think um, continuing this evolutionary theme and um, getting to a vision of the future that Gene Roddenberry um, uh, attempted to project through Star Trek, but uh, um, is is typified with a, a, a human species that is at harmony um, 
with its self um, mm -hmm. and with its environment. And that is a uh, something that really drives me. And, I, and but that requires a lot more understanding than we have. And there's um, uh, it's really a great time to be alive because there's so much still being discovered and uh, and debunked. You know, we've had the Victorians and this sort of empiricist worldview and this kind of mechanistic worldview that everything behaves in a simple uh, mechanical pattern obeying rules and laws and that is knowable to a world that does have those rules and laws but is also chaotic in the mathematical sense that it's complex and complex systems have uh, many different outcomes and there is a there is a beauty in in the world and a beauty in in our everyday lives from that complexity and that's what i seek and that's what i strive for is uh, understanding that complexity and trying to make it simpler and intelligible and, and help myself and those I love and humanity in general get to a better place. Very grand ambitions, but um, you know, I can only do what I can do. So I think that's my answer. There we go. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so we can only do so much. Um, I'll summarize that by baby steps. Step by step, we'll get there. Um, and what I take away from that, I love living living with the unknown was something you said there um mm. and which chimes beautifully with the aim of this podcast as a surveyor you well know you may have heard me say this before i'm dealing with uncertainty every day mm. because whatever i measure it's not 100 perfect it's never perfect so there's always uncertainty systematic uh, there's all in there um so living with the unknown i love that um and just a, a curveball i can't remember if i've spoken to somebody else about this before but uh picking up on your victorian piece um Kent Cavins down in Torquay, I think it is. Um, they had some beautiful flowstone caverns that they cut through all the flowstone because it wasn't big enough to make it into a tourist attraction. The, 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 the tunnels were too short. So they wanted to make it so they could walk in there with their top hats on and go and uh, go and explore these caverns. Um, uh, but in doing so, at that time, there was this belief that dinosaurs were something that had been made up. Um, now, bear in mind that the flowstone was had taken like hundreds of thousands of years to, to form over time. When they dug out all the flowstone, you can imagine the uproar that they found that underneath the flowstone, they found saber-toothed tiger bones and all sorts of stuff that was that they hadn't expected to find underneath this flowstone. It's kind of confirmed that actually people weren't making these bones up. Uh, and and creating these ridiculous stories about dinosaurs it could actually there was some evidence there that they'd unwittingly found in the in the uh in the creation of a tourist trap <laughs> it always awesome. makes me laugh yeah yeah that's great yeah there's you don't know what you're going to find in these in no. these deep layers or these these other layers yes kind of exactly out. Yeah. um exactly and it, and it's that say and, and then taking away that other piece that you picked up there that layer Summary, going and looking and exploring these layers, finding out what's under there. Absolutely fantastic. So, Henry, I'm going to stop there. Thank you very much. My pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, that's yeah. the end of our show. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, welcome. Thank you.